Oh, you'll see. Don't be so quick to judge. I knew. All right. Today is page number 19. No, in Hebrew. In Hebrew, Yutet. Yutet, yesterday is Yutet. Okay. I will do a review of yesterday's Davka to today's. Yesterday wasn't Yud Zayin. Yesterday was Yud Zayin? You know what? It was Yud Zayin. I'm sorry, today's Yud Chet. Today's Yud Chet. Yesterday was Yesterday was Yud Zayin. Okay, so let's do a review of yesterday's Daf, and then we'll get to today's. Okay, so we started off yesterday at the bottom of the page on Tet Zayin Amud Bet, number 16b, at the bottom, four lines from the bottom, reviewed the said name of Asi, that uh, very interesting wild idea that even a, a complete Gentile comes to up to a Jewish woman, puts a ring on her finger, says, doesn't matter. We have to be choshesh for his kedushin. Maybe, maybe he's Jewish. Because maybe he's from the Aseret Shvati. Maybe he's from the Ten Tribes. What a strange idea. So the Gemara says, Why, don't we have a rule um, we, that anybody who comes out from some point A to point B, we have a right to assume that called the Parish Mirubaparsh. Wherever you're coming out from, we assume the majority. That's how the system is built. That uh, that we will that if it's leaving a place and going to somewhere else, it's Mirubaparsh. So the Gemara says. Um, um, so the Gemara says, yeah, we're not talking about who he's leaving a place. It's a set place. And we're talking about the places where there's, there were strongholds of cities that were strongholds of the Aser Sashvatim. So the assumption is that the people there are from the Aser Sashvatim. So uh, we named a number of cities, Chala, Chibor, Nargozen, Arimatai. These are places, Chalazon, Chadayib, Nargozen, Ginzak, Arimatai. These are all various places where we know that the Aser Sashvatim did, the ten tribes ended up. Um, so the the thing with these people is that uh, we are very concerned about them because if they are Aser Sashvatim, not only are we Choshesh for the Kedushin, but we're also Choshesh that they're Psulim, that they're Mamzerim. Um, when all this was said over, over to Shmuel, he said that actually it's not how it works. Um, we do not assume that they're Jewish. And the reason why is because if you have a son from a Jewish father and a non-Jewish mother, the child is not Jewish. Okay? If you have... Um, it's, uh, it, it, the only one that's called your son is from your uh, Jewish mother mm-hmm. and the non-Jewish father, that is your son. Okay? Um, what about... So the Gemara says, so if the, why are we worried about the daughters? The answer is, is that that first generation, the daughters, specifically did something to cause that they would not be able to become pregnant. Um, for that very purpose, they knew that it's going to be lost, and they didn't want it to be. They said better the kids, the, the kids should be goyim, than there be a mixture of Jews or some uh, who have who have these possible situations where there would be uh, mamzerim or not, and that is the story. Um, so, Rav uh, Yosef was sitting behind Rav Kahana. Rav Kahana was sitting in front of Rav Yuda, <coughs> and they're saying that uh, they're going to Jewish people will make a major party when Tarmud, this country called Tarmud, will be destroyed. 
So Gemara says, but it is destroyed. So Gemara says, what's destroyed is Tamud, not Tarmud. It's two different places. Gemara says, or it could be it's actually the same place, and it's two different areas. Uh, they come on the east, then then the refugees go to the west. Come to the west, refugees go to the east, and that's how they survive. If we get totally wiped out, so then that would be the uh, um, that that's the issue. Okay. You got it. You got it. Sure, I got it. It has a, sometimes they put more glue on it. Right. It's a bit more difficult. You have to hard push harder. Okay, no, it's good exercise. Why are you making you so much noise? We try to learn here. Okay. All right. <laughs> anyway, sure enough. Um, you can't. Uh, so anyway, bottom line is the reason why is because uh, uh, because we're, again where the concern of Bamzeros coming from these places now. Um, the question is, um, uh, so we have here an interesting story. Rav Nuna stood before uh, uh, Ula, and uh, he was talking and learning, and Ula was so impressed with the brilliance of Rav Nuna, who was a tremendous scholar. Um, but he said, "What a man! What a man!" But he says, "If you were only, if only you weren't from Harpanya, it would be an amazing shidduch." Because he was single, and he's like, uh, "What's so bad about Harpanya?" He felt really bad. He thought it means that he did not have good yichos. So he said, uh, "Tell me, where do you pay taxes to? The head tax?" He says, "I pay to Narp Gold. That's like I'm on the you know the line, the border of this side. You know how it is that there's bordering towns." So he says, oh, in that case, you're actually, you're okay. <laughs> Fascinating. Anyway, what's the issue with these places? So um, we said that the, uh, Gehenna is, uh, is uh, there's redemption from Gehenna. But from Tarmud, it's over. <laughs> it's bad news, okay? Or Harpanya. And we explained that it's all really coming, it's all the same source. Um, the you know, Har- Harpanya is the Harsha Kulam Ponibo. That's where all the Psulim end up because that's where they can get married, because <coughs> nobody asks too many questions. <laughs> that's the idea, you're afraid of what the questions, you don't know any answers, you know. So uh, the people who don't know the yichas will end up over there. Anyway, bottom line is, the concern, what is the yichas issue? So we said that Harpanya goes back to Mishon, which goes back to Tarmud, which goes back to the Avdi Shlomo. And Avdi Shlomo, are again, they're slaves that uh, marry Jewish women. The kids are really mamzerim. That's the idea, or at least according to this idea. Um, anyway, everything rolls down to Gehenna, and from Gehenna it rolls even further down to Tarmut, to Mishon, and to Apanya. Very interesting. And that's the end of the first chapter, which brought us to the new idea um, we had mentioned in the first Mishnah in Meseches Yivamos, the idea of Eishas Achiv Shalohayu Ba'olamah, and we explained what that is. So we talked about one scenario of which is basically you have a brother, you have Reuven and Shimon. Reuven is married. He dies without children. Um, and, and, uh, and then before Shimon does Yibum to, uh, to the wife of Reuven, um, Levi is born. So Levi is born in a circumstance where he never was in the world together with Reuven. So that's Eishas Achiv, Shalom the wife of his brother that he wasn't in the world with. So he did not have a mitzvah zibum to, that, to, to the wife, and therefore she remains prohibited to him with, as, a, as an Eishas Ach without a mitzvah. And Eishas Ach without a mitzvah remains forever. That's the idea. It's like, it's like the yubum doesn't work. And even though Shimon will marry uh, her, 
after the, after the fact, he, if Shimon dies without children, so not only is she potter, because she's an erva, so too the wife is, uh, the co-wife is also going to be potter. And it, uh, that's the story with that. There's another case. If uh, you have a scenario where, um, um, it, where he did mimer, and then he died, so that's a different story. The second one uh, will will uh, get chalitza and not yibum, um, and that's the okay. Meaning the one who died before he died did maimer, and he didn't get the chance to do yibum until he, after he died. So the second one is going to need chalitza, and it doesn't work as a tzarasarva because it's not really a co-wife after all. He never actually did the the uh, he never he didn't he only, uh, never consummated the marriage. It's only a maimer. A maimer is only rabbinic in nature, and that's the bottom line. So the Gemara, um, Rav Nachman said that the uh, that the the description of Ruvain's wife. Can be she can be referred to as a Rishona or as a Shnia, and they're both accurate. It depends what you're referring to. If you could refer to her as the Rishona because she is the wife, the widow of the Rishona of the first brother, you can refer to her as a Shnia because the the Shnia because she is the second, a second marriage. Now the Gemara says, wait a second, second marriage? How do you know she's a second marriage? Do you mean Shimon? It was Shimon's second wife. Who says maybe Shimon first did Yibum and then he took another wife? And then she'll be the first wife of Shimon. So the Gemara says, no, what we mean by Shnia is that it's her second marriage. By the time Shimon married her, that was her second marriage. She was already married to Reuven once, then married to Shimon for the second time. That's what it means, Shnia. Okay. Now, the question is, this din of Eishasachim where is it written in the Torah? Where is the source for this idea? So the Pasuk says, Ki achim yachtav. When brothers are dwelling together, that implies they need yeshiva achaz bolam. They need to have lived in the world, in this world, uh, together, um, and uh, that's what that's what the pasuk is saying. Now the word yachtav also tells us a different idea that they have to be miyuchadim enachla. They all have to have a share in inheritance. That's what yachtav is implying, and um, which teaches us that achiv minaim, a brother, a maternal brother, does not have mitzvah yibum. Um, and that's the two drushas. Now, um, Rabbah says that the way we know that it's Achim and Ab is because of Xer Shava. We know the Shneim Asar Achim Anachnu Bnei Avinu, right? We're, we're 12 brothers, right? So then they refer to the Bnei Yaakov, refer to themselves as brothers, even though they did not have the same father. And that's the, and that's the exact same. Keshwa Achim Yachtav, what kind of brothers? The brothers. That we find elsewhere, like the brothers, the sons of Yaakov. Okay, um, so the Gemara says there's other places that use the word ach, and it means even maternal brothers. As we uh, when it says ochicha, the various arayos, eshes um, ochicha, it's referring to all from manners of ochicha is forbidden. So the Gemara says, um, yeah, you know, we, we learn achim from achim, not achim from ochicha. So the Gemara says, wait a second. Since when in Hilchos Gzeir Shava, the definition of Gzeir Shava, do you need the exact wording? In fact, we have a very extreme example of the Tanah Tzeri Bishmal talking about the coin 
entering the, the base of Migdash. And it says, Veshavakon one time, then it returns, and it says, Uvakon, it comes. And we say, Zui Shiva, Zui Bia, then it's Xeri Shava. He does the same, he's dressed in the same things, he's wearing whatever it is. We make a connection between the coming and returning. And that's not even the same word we make Xeri Shava. So, so, so here it's the same word. Just a different use of it here. It says achicha there. It says achim. Who cares? The Gemara says you're right in general. When you have no, no other choice, um, you know that sounds better. Then you'd be correct. But here we do have another choice because it says achim, and here it says achim, and over there it says achicha. So I have to guess which one is it connecting to. I'll say it's connecting to the one which has exactly the same wording, over the one that has close to it. That's the idea. So the Gemara says uh, there's another. Pasuk that uh, used the word Achim and it's referring to a different relationship. Relationship, it's a, a, a it's an uncle to a nephew, as the uh, pasuk says by Avram Avinu. He was talking to Lot, who's his nephew, his brother's son, and he said to Lot, uh, It's actually he was his brother-in-law as well, but whatever. We we assume that it's because they called him because of the fact that he was his nephew. And maybe there's a whole mitzvah even, and there it's the exact same usage of the word achim. So, um, so the Gemara says, um, so uh, that that uh, it makes more sense to learn Bnei Yaakov because after all, that's a mufne, it's extra, it's a it's a superfluous word. The word achim is completely not necessary by the Bnei Yaakov. They could have easily just said Bnei Avinu, and which name Asher Bnei Avinu. We are. We're all 12 sons of our father. That would be very clear. You don't need to use the word achim. The fact that they said it this way is, is mufna for Xer Shav. It's free. It's a word that's a superfluous word. Uh, if not for the Xer Shav. And now the Gemara says, wait a second. Um, we have two drushes here. We have Anashim Achim Anachnu, and we also have Yachtov to tell you that the Miyuchadu Binachla for the Achim in Av. Why do we need both drushes? So the Gemara explains that one alone wouldn't be enough. He would just have Achim. I might think nephews are good. And um, don't tell me this is Mufna. And that's not Mufna because that's also Mufna. Because when Avram's talking to Lot, he could have just said Anashim Reim Anachna. The use of the word Achim is also unusual and extra and there to be used for Xer or something. Anyway, bottom line is um, that's why we need Yachtov, that they share an inheritance which is only by paternal brothers. And if it would just say the sharing inheritance, um, I might think that maybe Yachtov, from the word Yachtov, then you might think that it's only when they're both parents, they're children of both father and mother, they share both parents together. Um, otherwise not. And the Gemara says, why would I think that? Isn't it dependent on inheritance? And inheritance is only from the father and it doesn't take into account whether they share the same mother or not. So the Gemara answers that... Um, uh, actually, uh, uh, since the whole thing is a huge Kiddush, after all, Yibam is against uh, the grain. It's against the nor- natural order is that these, these are forbidden unions and still it's permitted. So you might think that it's only in the it should only be in that way. That's why we need a special, um, and that's why we need the extra drasha. Now, Rafuna said in the name of Rav that uh, this is the new topic, a very important topic. Um, when a woman awaits Yibam, and uh, then she dies before he got a chance to do Yibam, he is allowed to marry this woman's mother, even though there was a period of time where he was 
uh, he had a he had a bond because there is something called the zika. There's a bond. Nevertheless, that bond does not really um, strong. It's not strong enough to create an iser to the relatives of of that woman. Okay, which indicates ain't um, zika. So why didn't Rav Huna say in the name of Rav a very more direct statement of ain't zika? The problem with that is, is that that's a blanket term ain't zika. You might apply. That's only when there's uh, two. But if there's a single brother, then maybe there you'll agree that there's yesh zika. So we wanted to say it in a way even a single brother. So just say, ain't zika, fill It would be very clear. So the Gemara says that uh, you might think that would be true, even Mechaim, that, that he could marry whoever he wants, even, you know, even though he has a mitzvah, even on him, you can marry whoever you want, and he could marry the mother, because after all, there's no zika. To Kamash the Mechayim, there is Zika. And he's not allowed to, he's prohibited to marry the mother or the sister, Kozman, as long as he has a Mitzvah Yibam. Why? Because of the different issue of Asr, Levatel, Mitzvah Yavmin. You're not allowed to negate the, the need to do Yibam. That's what you're doing. You're subverting the whole din by marrying the relative to make it that there's no Mitzvah Yibam over here. Um, we talked in the Mishnah about a Yavama that died. Is mutter bachosa, uh, so it does not apply only to the sister, not to the mother. So the Gemara says, uh, no, it's uh, it's both. But the, but but but, but the, since the sister is only aser michayim and achamisa is mutter, um, and there the the iser michayim is 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 is, uh, is the araisa, so the 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 achosisha. So therefore, we are stuck with the case of sister, but really it's true for mother as well. That is the opinion of Rav Huna in the name of Rav. Took us to the opposing opinion of Rav Yehuda, who says the opposite halacha. He says that if you have a woman waiting Yibam, and she dies before the Yibam is done, that brother that was supposed to do Yibam um, is forbidden to marry the mother, even though she's dead now. Because there was a bond, and that bond is real. It's as if there's like marriage going on. And because of that, he's going to be forbidden to marry that woman's mother. Okay? And this is obviously holding Yitzhika. Why didn't he say the words just Yitzhika? Halach is Yitzhika. Because you might think that's only true if there's one brother. And he's saying it even if there's multiple brothers. Um, so the Gemara says, why would I think that the opinion of Yitzhika holds it by even two? So the Gemara says, uh, you might think it's only Mechayim, but Lachem Bisa, there's no Zika. That's why I have to tell you this case to show you that even though she died, we don't say, well, the whole Zika is as if it never was. It's like up in smoke. No, the Zika is there and it doesn't come off with nothing. It, it, and it remains, and that is where we left off yesterday. And we'll take a